2: Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the
1: podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Ofakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Hey! Hey! What's happening? Um, you know, like everything and nothing is how I feel. It just feels like beginning of the year still, but Mm -hmm. it's not beginning of the year anymore, really. And I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. No, I Um, understand. I wanted to ask you something about something that you've decided to commit to. Is this a resolution um, flossing? <sighs> no, I'm not going to call it a resolution. I'm not going to put that sort of weight on it. Yeah, you don't want to pressure it.
2: Um, no, I. It's I. It's probably the case that I usually start again by start committing to myself again that I'm going to floss. In January-ish, but it has nothing to do with resolution. Has it's nothing just, to do with a new yeah. year's resolution. I should look back and see what my last real um restart log with this. this was. Yeah, well, because duh, I put it in ten things, and my last time that the last time that I really recommitted to this and stuck with it was when I discovered how much easier it is to floss with those little things that look like swords.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um,
2: because one of my least favorite things about flossing is cutting off the circulation to the tip of your finger.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
2: I, I do feel bad about those things because they're, they, they're, they're plastic they're garbage. So much waste. Yeah, 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 they're yeah, yeah. so no, wasteful. Yeah, yeah. But I, for a while I was flossing a lot more because of those. And in general, just like do floss a lot more because yeah. of those, but nowhere near where my dentist would want me to be.
1: Now, so you've, you've sort of moved from those into a, a larger piece of plastic. Oh yeah, that's right. But, but reusable. Oh no, I know. Yeah, I know. It's definitely um, better for the, better for the environment. What's this thing? Um, This thing's a water pick. Okay. Um, and I got one of the cordless
2: ones. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, it. So what do you like about it? I feel like for me, they're so like messy conceptually. It's not. It's not nearly as messy as I thought it would be. So the thing I like about it is one, no floss um, and like none of the pain of floss, none, okay. none of the string. Um, the other thing I like about it is your teeth just feel so clean afterward. Like your mouth feels clean and wonderful in a way that I don't really experience from just regular flossing. And I don't know if it's just that because it feels like you've been to the dentist. And so your brain is like, this, this feels is, like the yeah, dentist yeah, yeah, This yeah. must be good. Um, but it's really not, it's not messy. The worst thing about it is that it's big and clunky and sits on your
1: You got to have another thing on your, uh, Yeah, and it has to sit next to your electric toothbrush and just exactly. be like another dumb thing that you, and that they don't, you, yeah.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And they don't even match. I got a black, Water pick and have a white electric toothbrush. Garbage. I know. Garbage. I should have thought about it, but yeah.
1: I the,
2: and so the the wa- part of the reason it's so big. I mean, they're all big regardless of what you do. But the the it, with the cordless ones, the water is basically in the
1: handle, uh, so it has to be big enough to hold the water in the handle.
2: Exactly. I it doesn't bother me ergonomically, and also a lot of people are like, it's not enough. Um, in some of the reviews they're like it doesn't hold enough water to floss your whole mouth I don't know how aggressively these people are (laughs) flossing and maybe I'm not doing it aggressively enough but I'm like listen it's more than it's better than nothing um I find it to be very quick you can't fall off the floor that's right you can't fall off the floor and I was certainly on the floor of flossing
1: when do you floss um it's a great question mostly at night okay see I'm going to, I'm going to share some wisdom Mm -hmm. um, that I learned about flossing that has gotten me to really stick to flossing. I floss in the morning now. Yeah. And I feel like it helps me stick to it. Why? Because at night you're so tired. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, You're like, I can't take off makeup. I can't possibly turn the faucet on. I think
2: for me, nighttime's better. And here's why. Morning, I'm always in a rush. Nighttime, I have um, in the short time we've been recording this podcast and discussing our like nighttime routines i've become way more into my nighttime routine huh. um and it's pretty involved these days it's not even pretty involved it's just like more ritualistic for me okay. than it has been in a while um it not to get totally off on a tangent but in part because of micellar water and my i'm always just like well i've got to do the micellar water so i might as well do all this other stuff um so and then the water pick i'm just like all right i'm standing here like i'll do this anyway
1: that's interesting to me i think but it's it's also so quick um no, I, you act like flossing itself is really hard. Like oh, flossing yeah, I, is not, flossing, floss, it does not take a long time. In my mind, it takes a long time. It, well, it only takes a long time if you really do it infrequently. Yeah. Um. But I feel like for me, it's just the like having another thing to do before bed that made flossing really hard. And yeah. I one time went to the dentist and they were like, it doesn't matter when you right. do it. Like, it's yeah. just like the doing it once a day. Totally. Thing. Um.
2: Yeah. I feel like in the morning I'm always like, I got to get out of here. I'm like running late. So I don't mind doing it as much at night as long as I'm doing other stuff, as long as I'm like sitting, standing at the sink anyway. But listen, I don't know. You know, I'm I think it's too early to say whether or not this is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I certainly endorse it. And I also don't know. I mean, maybe a dentist would like to write in and tell me, but I it's hard for me to know whether or not it's as good as the other type of flossing and my guess is it's not but again you can't fall off the floor
1: it's better than nothing um for anybody who wants to just use regular dental mm-hmm. floss um i really like that cocoa floss yeah you do stuff Um, it's it's coconut flavored. I you know I I, or it's in yeah. I don't know. You know what? I think the brand, the naming (laughs) is really good. It's it was started by sisters, work um, wives, work wives. Um, who one was a dentist and the other is an artist, and they started a cute, chic little floss company. And it's not like that, like super slippery glide mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. texture, but it's also not really fibrous like a lot of mm-hmm. other, fl- like it that doesn't, it doesn't like split it. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like some like shred. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like texturally it, it is right. Um, That's good to know. Yeah. And you can order from the website and they ship it to you for free. Um, so nice. you should, yeah, you should try that. Um, I'm into it. My dad ordered it. He was really excited about it when we put it in 10 things. So, you know, it speaks to a broad audience. <laughs>
2: totally. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about something else that I'm really into. What? I can't think of a good segue between floss and this next thing. So I'm just going to move there Okay, to this next topic. These, um, these BFF necklaces that we did that yeah. we just released. They, it's the, I just, I just think it's the coolest riff on a, like, B. Fry St. N's broken heart best friend necklace. Totally. They're, it's a yin and a yang. I know. And the dots in the yin and the yang are white topazes and, and they're, they're so beautiful yeah. they're, and so it's the cutest best friend necklace for valentine's day or galentine's day and it is now 10 percent off with the code of few things um speaking of
1: friends should we bring on our guests let's do it And now we're here with someone we're so excited to talk to, um, Kayleen Schaefer. Kayleen is a writer. She's actually been a guest on the podcast before. She came on and talked about beauty, like, beauty trends. But yeah. now we're going to talk more about Kayleen today, yes. which is even, it's, which is a way more interesting topic, if you ask me. Um me. yeah. <laughs> Kayleen <laughs> is a writer whose byline you've probably seen a zillion different places. But the thing we're most excited to talk about today is her new book, Text Me When You Get Home, which comes out tomorrow February 6th and we are super psyched. Um, So excited. So excited. We both genuinely loved this book so
2: much. And
1: uh, (laughs) you're saying that because Kayleen's our friend. Well, this is what I was going to say
2: is like I felt really passionate about it and I couldn't I, I truly you felt tried to separate yourself. I from... truly felt that I objectively felt passionate about it, and it had nothing to do with Kayleen being my friend. And I've been validated by early reviews. That, oh my god! That I that like my
1: excitement about it was not outsized. No, it was, it People was appropriate. Who, did not, who do not yeah. know Kayleen and who do not love her dearly also are sweating this aren't book featured so hard. In the book. Yeah. <laughs> hair flip. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um <laughs> so the book is about female friendship. What's the tagline, Kayleen, or like the um, it's subheader? The
0: evolution and triumph of modern female friendship. I love So that. good the evolution it's and triumph so
1: good. of modern mm-hmm. female friendship. It's so good. Um one of the early reviews that I've heard um was from my husband Thomas and (laughs) his review was that this book made him want to be a woman so that he could (laughs) experience female friendships which I just feel like I don't know that you can use that anywhere Kayleen but if there's ever an opportunity
0: Thomas is the best
1: (laughs) um but the, the, the interesting thing about the book is that it like it covers the history of female friendship, which is mm-hmm. so fascinating. It covers your relationship with women friends over the years. It covers like female friendship and mm-hmm. pop culture and in society and all of these things and it weaves them all together in such a compelling and interesting and gripping way.
2: Well, and Thank it's you. a really it, it's a really moving topic, but it's even more moving because you get very personal in it. Mm-hmm. And we were just saying it's not really so much a memoir, but you do weave your own narrative in a into it in a way that makes it even more sort of gripping because i as the reader you're really uh i felt like i had the stake in your
1: narrative yeah you're really invested in like kayleen's story exactly where she's gonna go in this um can you tell us a little bit about your history with women friends and how you didn't used to feel like you like were a girl's girl
0: yes um I actually started the book from that place. Like the, the when I thought of the idea, the first thing I thought was, "I'm no longer a mean girl," hmm. um, because I was raised um, in a way that, that I just felt like women were some people I had to compete with. You know, in high school, it was always like who could get their better grades, who could look prettiest in pictures, you know, who could get the cute guys' attention, and that's just how I thought I was supposed to relate to women. It's fascinating. And what, what, what was like, what flipped the switch for you? Um, I just looked at my life and I looked at all of these amazing women that I was surrounded by and felt so lucky to have them as friends. I was so inspired and supported by them. And I just realized that these relationships are relationships that are not really valued by society in the same way other relationships in women's lives are supposed to be, like the relationships with their romantic partners, with their parents, with their siblings, with their children. But when i was looking at the women in my life they were valuing these relationships in the same way
1: why do you think that people why do you think that like that has been the case why do you think that women's relationships with each other haven't been thought of in that way
0: well it goes back a long way to why these bonds were devalued but i think the short answer really is that women together valuing each other is scary especially if you look at what's happening right now with women united and the changes that we're making Um, that's a force, and there's a lot designed to keep us apart for a long time. It's so interesting because you detail the history of this in
2: your book, and you do get into really interesting sort of historical facts about this, and then you also relate it back to your own mother and how her Mm -hmm. experience with female friendship differed so much from yours, and you interview her about it. And that really struck a chord with me because it was something I always noticed about my parents and my mom, too, when I was growing up, where in my life I've always had really close female friends. And I remember looking at my mom and being like, she just has her sister. She doesn't have like Mm -hmm. a social life. And Mm -hmm. now looking back, I'm like, well, she had no time okay yeah. and and she didn't have the ways of keeping in touch like yeah. we do yeah um but you speak to also just the sort of like custom was that when you got married you know in our mother's generation you turned your focus inward to the family mm-hmm. um and and it wasn't sort of there wasn't an expectation that you'd maintain these female friendships
0: no that was sort of like that was a signifier that you had made it that you had this family and you had these children to take care of and and everything else outside of that wasn't supposed to be as important to you and that's what women were supposed to do and they really did block everything else out
2: it's and it's so interesting because i do think it will be different for our generation not just because expectations and customs are
1: changing but like technology Mm-hmm. Totally. I even feel like my mom has reconnected with which, my friends yeah. over the last like decade or so because of Facebook. People who you know maybe were referenced when I was growing up, but who she never really mm-hmm. saw, mm-hmm. that she now like actually mm-hmm. sees who live across the country, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me.
0: Um, My mom is featured in the book. And so I interviewed her a lot. And sometimes she couldn't remember what had happened. So she reached back out to her college roommate and and they had the best conversation reminiscing. And now they're in touch. Now they text. You know, they're going to go visit each other. Yeah. And it opened up all of these past relationships for her. She was going back and looking at them.
2: Well, you had, you reconnected with, like, the popular girl in yes. your school. Oh, yes. my God.
1: I Kayleen, I, like, legit cried <laughs> during the moment. With, like, the, you know, sort of your scene walking away from her that, you know, night uh-huh. I, I, in L.A. I, like, legit cried. Can you That's amazing. To, can, yeah. on a, <laughs> That's really On amazing a plane, which me. is even more embarrassing. You know?
0: <laughs> can you tell everybody about that? Yes. So, um, Renee Tarwater <laughs> was... I mean, she was just perfect in high school, you know. She was, like, four eleven. Like, guys were always, like, lifting her up and swinging her (laughs) around in the halls. (laughs) And she was just, like, every girl admired her and, like, how she was just dominating adolescence, basically. Um,
1: Dominating (laughs) (laughs) adolescence. Go big or go home. Renee's story. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so I wanted to talk to her for the book to see... What her friendships in high school had been like, because, you know, I just thought, what a dream to be her. Everyone liked her. Her friendships Mm -hmm. had to be so easy, unlike mine, which were competitive and like full Mm -hmm. of secrets and just not not good. Um, Mm -mm. And I was nervous when I wrote her, which goes to show you like how much that high school stuff. Totally. Oh, yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. And she wrote back just the nicest note. She's like, whatever, I can tell you, I will, like, let's meet. I mean, it was incredibly nice. So we ended up meeting um, in Los Angeles where we were both just traveling at the time. And we just sat down and just started to talk and reminisce. And it was just like at one point she said, you know, Anyone who would see us sitting here talking would just think we were just regular friends. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. But if we had been at our high school reunion, people would be like, why are those two talking? <laughs> totally, yeah. It's so weird. Have you, know? you guys yeah. kept in touch since then? We have. It's amazing. Whenever she comes to New York or whenever I go home to Texas, we hang out. Wow. And she texts me sometimes. And, you know, we just have this new friendship, which is such a revelation because it turned out when we were talking that, We had the same experience in high school. You know, she had friends that weren't excluding or were excluding her from parties. You know, she had a friend who tried to steal her boyfriend. You know, she was just as fraught as my experience, except. But from the outside. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like viewing someone's life through the lens of Instagram. It's like that experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And she is such a wonderful person. And, you know, I never would have known that if I hadn't gotten in touch with her again. That's amazing. What other interviews um, did you really love doing for this book? I loved talking to Judy Bloom. Yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, so fascinating. And it was so great because. Uh, we had like maybe 30 minutes or something scheduled and she kept being like, OK, I've told you everything I could tell you. And then we would talk for another 30 minutes, <laughs> <And> then,
2: <laughs> which is everybody's fantasy uh, of what
0: a call with Judy Blume is like. So <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she just kept on making the point that our friendships are so important. And now she's in her 70s and she values these friendships so much and you know she came of age in that time period in the 50s when she was supposed to be devoted to her husband and her children and she was really lonely and she Mm -hmm. was really open about this in a way that i didn't hear from a lot of women her age but she really was aching for her female friends that she'd had in high school yeah yeah and since then she's reconnected with them you know she started to do that I don't know, like 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But she just, her friends, especially her one best friend, are just essential to her.
2: How, how, in what other ways do you think marriage and sort of our changing understanding of marriage
0: has contributed to this shift in female friendship? Part of it is for sure that women are single longer, mm-hmm. so they have these extra ten years mm-hmm. to where they're not tied to their partner, and then they do rely on their female friends in a way that just and wasn't... they like make their own family wherever they exactly. are. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. this, this friend family. Yeah, totally. They do that, and so they start to you know do things you would have traditionally done with your husband with these friends, mm-hmm. and I think that having those bonds for however long that is makes them last longer versus, if you know, if you just dropped them right after high school or right after college. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. They're like legitimate adult friendships, yes. not adolescent right. friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on what the younger generation, like what teenagers now, how they're going to shape female friendship
0: in the way that they interact? I have thought about this and I think that it will be different. And why I think that is because for the first time, you know, we talked about the 19th century being this golden age of yeah. female friendship. But that was people telling women what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 we mm-hmm. right. you supposed to be friends. Mm-hmm. But now women are telling their own stories. Yeah. And... Right. Part of that is pop culture. Like, you know, I imagine teenagers are watching shows like Insecure and Broad City. Totally. And they're seeing these pairs of female friends and seeing this relationship as important as any other one. And they see lives. it being performed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're seeing these stories stories being told by other women. And it's just, it's something that we're taking over ourselves. Right. And yeah. so I think that that's really helpful. I think that they're not being told what their friendships are like. They're making their friendships their own.
2: That's, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you referenced the Women United and, um, I, obviously you finished writing this book before the whole Me Too scandal and the Time's Up movement. Um, but I'm sort of curious how you think it all relates and like, you know, basically does that movement have a place in this story
0: of female friendship? It does for sure. Um, the title of the book is Text Me When You Get Home which is a title that at first I was sort of like, does that signify female friendship? I Mm -hmm. mean, your mom says that to you when you're in college or uh, in your early 20s and you're driving or flying. And and then I thought about it, and I kept asking people, what do you think of the title? And a friend of mine said, I love it. It's emotional. And then I got it, because it's not just about safety. When Mm -hmm. women say this to each other, it's about solidarity. Yeah, yeah, huh. It's about saying, like, you know, I'm gonna be with you, whether you're in front of me, whether you're not, whenever you need me, you know, mm-hmm. text yeah. me. You can yeah. rely on me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's why women say that to each other. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. our way of saying, you know, I've got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this was always said in private, you know, in mm-hmm. our like hugs goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Know, it was something we kept between ourselves. And now what I see happening is it going from this private text. To this public hashtag. Right. With Me too. And this movement. And and women are saying these ponds have always been there. And now we're going to say them out loud. We're going to mm-hmm. let everyone know how much we care and support each other. And I think that's what's happening right now is it's just becoming public. I mean, certainly when you listen,
2: especially to the stories, um, the interviews that Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhi did, mm-hmm. such a big part of the their ability to tell that first Harvey Weinstein story it was about establishing trust mm-hmm. with the women that they interviewed and establishing that sense of, like, care. And, and also another interesting part of it was that they said that what seemed to shift for a lot of the women that they interviewed for that story was that it wasn't, you know, the women were sort of like, what's the point? Like, right? There's yeah. nothing. I, mm-hmm. I, it's too late to prosecute him. And they said, and when and what Jody Cantor said was that when they would she would shift it and say do it so that this doesn't happen to other women Mm -hmm. that that was when they sort of felt the um impetus to do it was that they saw that that opportunity and I I do think um you know in reading this and thinking about women's friendships there's just a nurturing there and a -hmm. a selflessness Mm -hmm. that um feels very particular to female friendships that was reflected upon really beautifully in this and um the way that you weave in your own story and and how meeting like ruthie your best friend um sort of changed your perception of this and her the way you the two of you look out for each other is so touching
1: um, can you describe Ruthie? Can I describe Ruthie? Everybody in this room just loves Ruthie I know. so desperately, but I, I, I want to hear
0: Ruthie described by you because I feel like she's going to be in all the book reviews. We were joking that like there should be whole like, quotes. quotes. Yeah, yeah, totally. For sure. And I have to say, Thomas, Erica's husband, emailed me last night about the book and his thoughts, and one of the things he, <laughs> he said was, it made me remember, like, it reminded me just how awesome Ruthie is. <laughs> so uh, I hope I get that across in the book. Oh, my um, God, you do. Ruthie is the funniest person I know. Um, <laughs> She is so smart. Um, she's so grounded. You know, she's just like, she's a rock. But she's mm-hmm. also so fun. And- yeah. No, no, no. She's perfect.
1: (laughs) Um, What do you think drew you to her? Because you met her at Details Mm -hmm. when we, like, we worked, the two of us worked there um, with Ruthie. What do you think drew you to her in the way that you were?
0: It was two things. It was her sense of humor because I just thought she was hilarious. And so we sat next to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruthie is also a little bit younger than me. And she understood um, feminism in a way that I didn't Hmm. really. Um, And so... I also tell this story in the book, but we were working on a story together where was editing it, and I, I wrote it. Um, it. It was about um, Lilith Fair, and I had gone, and we'd taken this picture, and there were two, um picture of uh, two topless women. And they were happy, they were excited to be there, um, and, and we wanted to run the photo in the magazine. And the, all the editors were like, no, 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 the male editors at the magazine, they said, no, you have to put black bars over their faces, And that seemed wrong to me, but I couldn't figure out why. You couldn't articulate it.
2: I also, was there any discussion? This was what I was curious about (laughs) when I was talking to it. They wanted to put black bars over their faces, but not over their boobs. You know, they had little pasties on. Okay. So maybe. I mean, that not was... that I'm advocating for either, but I just. You <laughs> just yeah. were interested in the approach. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No,
1: I think that that's right. I think They didn't that want they to desexualize did. the image, they wanted to dehumanize the image. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, not to
2: derail this, but I did think part <laughs> yeah. of what, like a really strong
1: part of this book, was
2: that part of your sort of renaissance of female friendship, your personal renaissance, starts at a male magazine. And Correct. that's very Correct. interesting. Interesting the ways in which that dynamic plays into it. Yeah, totally.
0: So I'm sort of like stammering through like, I don't know, I think you should put the black bars on. This seems wrong. And Ruthie just steps up. And in a way that you didn't really confront the men at this magazine, like it was just sort of like what they wanted went and we just went with it. And she said putting those black bars on their faces sexualizes this picture and it's not a sexual picture. I mean, we definitely lost this argument <laughs> <in Akbar. laughs> yeah. but I was just so impressed yeah. with what she had yeah. done and how she'd stood up for what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just, it felt like a really great moment.
1: Yeah. Um, something we haven't talked about yet is groups of friends, mm-hmm. um, which is something that comes up in this book and I think, you know, also comes up in pop culture instances too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and something like something that comes up for me whenever I think about this is Babysitter's Club, which I feel <laughs> like <laughs> is like the first example I have of groups of female friends and also the first example I have of like what a boyfriend's supposed to like how a right. boyfriend is <laughs> like as like it's as a first grader. Either, real formative yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but there what they're like they really were there for each other, but there was some like bickering and like cattiness and like even like some so, mean girl stuff there. Yeah. How do you think that shifted?
0: Um, I think what's happening and is interesting is that these friend groups are now just a safe space. Yeah. When Mm -hmm. you find people, whether it's in person or online, that you can connect with and you can just be yourself and you can throw out opinions that maybe you wouldn't share on a podcast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. But you can share them with this friend group. And Mm -hmm. that is just I mean, it's the ultimate great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Totally. It's a safe space. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, that that's certainly scandal club for us. Yes, We're all part sorry. of a scandal club.
2: I um, think we've we talked about it on Scandal here Scandal Watching point. Club. We yeah. definitely have. And yeah. in the newsletter, I think everybody's familiar important. with. important. Yeah, yeah, we no longer watch Scandal. That lasted no. for about two meetings, I'd say. <laughs> we have and, other yeah.
0: stuff to do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: But that's right. <laughs> we have other opinions to Instead, expressed. we just, like, shout
1: and <laughs> scream over each other <laughs> over in someone's apartment other. and upset their neighbors, I'm sure. But it wasn't.
2: <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I obviously deeply value Scandal Club and, and, like, really don't ever miss a meeting if I can help it. But um, it didn't fully register for me how valuable Scandal Club was in my life until you asked if you could sort of talk to us about Scandal Club for right. the book. And I did recognize that it was this like consistent showing up for each other in this yeah. way that... Um, that had me given me such like a comfort and of not being judged of not um needing to like be a certain way and looking back and realizing god we've been doing this for so long and people have dealt with like loss of loved ones and illness and jobs and all Mm -hmm. of this stuff over the court and to just consistently show up in that way um such a valuable thing and it is really unique to groups i think especially
1: in that way where you can just be a network of support well i also think scandal club has really made me value a group text um, Mm -hmm. in a way because I can I can go either way on a group text (laughs) sometimes but the Scandal Club group text is all good content it's just like all good content it's (laughs) what I want want, yeah it's everything I want um and it's just like people yeah dumping in all of the news Mm -hmm. that I'm interested in hearing Mm -hmm. from them
2: I mean, the thing for me that I I have I have two very active group friend techs and it's Scandal Club and then the girls that I grew up with. And I think the thing that I've realized with both of those groups is that once they stay around for a long enough time, you just really do realize like that is family. And these Mm -hmm. are people you're going to be with for the rest of your life. And there's just a a totally um, just an invaluable thing to that. That idea Mm -hmm. that that is specific for me, at least to female friendships uh, that I can't that is not replicated anywhere else in my life.
0: And even though we talk about it on this podcast Mm -hmm. and other places, like it it really is just for us. There's nothing performative Mm -hmm. about Scandal Club. Yes. You know, we we meet in each other's homes. You know, we don't ever like all wear the same thing or anything. We don't have a hashtag. Exactly. It's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not about going into a
1: bar and matching T-shirts. Yeah. 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 Totally. Just about talking to and being there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That is totally point. Yeah. 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 What other books are
0: you reading right now? Right now I'm reading a mystery, um, Into the Woods, the Tana French. Oh. Yeah. I was so yeah.
2: mad because I had that book and then I went to I read it and I couldn't find it. it. I don't know. <laughs> I was looking all over my house for <laughs> it because it's a thriller and you know I love a
0: thriller. I, know. I literally I'm really enjoying it.
2: it. God damn it. I what read it I when I wake it?
0: up in the middle of the night and it does not help me go back no. to sleep No. <laughs> well,
2: I don't think, I think, I don't I, think yeah. this is a good idea. It's kind of fun. Yeah, totally. Pass it on to me when you're done. <laughs> okay, I'm so glad. annoyed with myself for losing it or like giving it away or something
1: um kayleen this is so exciting i can't believe this book comes out tomorrow finally everybody's gonna get to read it and And there's a book launch party yes
0: Yes. it Uh, is powerhouse arena
1: yeah in dumbo right near the Kind offices which would be very convenient for us on what day February uh, sixth, six. the February date of the book six. release. That's right. Yeah. It's huge. From so, seven to nine
2: PM. And we're gonna be talking to Kayleen about this book. You are. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't, don't worry, we're
1: we'll gonna be asking
0: her. Entirely be new questions. <laughs> completely <laughs> new questions. Question. Entirely no fresh content. No
2: overlap at all. No. <laughs> no, zero overlap. Come <laughs> yeah. see us talk about yeah. friend, female friendship. Oh my with god, Kayleen. it's gonna be so good. It's gonna, it gonna be
1: amazing. <sighs> it really will be. Um, That's the show. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found, like Stitcher, iTunes. Leave us a review, and now Spotify. Follow us at Of A Kind on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. If you have ideas or requests for the show, email them to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise, email advertising at ofakind.com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints, and our audio editing is done by Liz Smith. We're recording from Showbriz Studios in the East Village, a.k.a. Alex's house. That's right. (laughs)
2: you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East,
1: and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.